Greetings Trinitarians, I'm so glad that you're here. Today we're going to be looking at a YouTube channel by an atheist who goes by the name TMM. And he's responding to John from What Do You Meme in a video he made about uh, God's existence some time back. Uh, however, we're mostly going to be talking about time. You know, Christians often say strange things about time. You know, I, a few weeks ago I was at a church in Tennessee and a woman was asking me, she said, well, if, if, if in, you know, the afterlife, if, if in, on the new heaven, on the new earth, there's going to time will be no more, then uh, what will music be like? And, and what will, uh, how, how will we, you know, move about and, and what will it be like? We can't even imagine an existence without time. Well, that's right. In fact, there wouldn't be any music if there were no time. You wouldn't move about if there were no time. Uh, those things all involve the passing of temporal moments. When people speak of, uh, in the afterlife, time being no more, what they mean by that is it, we, there will be no, sense to th no need to think of it in the sense of it coming to an end. It will ex we will exist everlastingly. And so Christians say some odd things about time, but I've also found here recently that uh, atheists say some odd things about time as well. And so in this video, we're going to respond to uh, a guy who I, I can only imagine thinks that time serves as an excellent defeater to everything that John says uh, in his video. Now, I don't know much about this guy. Uh, he's got uh, something like 43,000 subscribers on YouTube, so he's obviously influencing people. Um, he, he's obviously impacting thought out there, but uh, and, and I'm, I'm sure he's a, a smart guy, a nice guy. I don't know much about him, but I just know what I've seen in this video. And so we're going to take a look now at what he has to say, and we'll see a little bit of John as well from What Do You Mean? Here's a guy who thinks he can show why a god must exist. We can start by having you take a look around. Now, what do you see? You probably see a bunch of stuff. Okay, now think about that stuff. And it doesn't matter what kind of stuff you're looking at, this will work fine for anything that you can see. Now, I want you to ask yourself, did all of that stuff exist 50 years ago? Or 100 years ago? Or how about 1,000 years ago? Better yet, you could just ask yourself, was there a time when what you see now did not exist at some point in the past? Everything that you can see, whether it be your phone, your couch, your dog, your house, a tree, the moon, the sun, the earth beneath your feet, it really doesn't matter. Everything that you can see didn't exist at some point, and the only reason that it exists now is because something caused it to start existing at some point in the past. Well, there's at least one thing I can see for which there was never a time at which it didn't exist, and that's time itself. I suspect the same is also true of the energy that makes up all of the matter that we see, but it's at least logically possible that this energy did not exist at some point. However, it is not logically possible that there was a time when time did not exist. That would be a contradiction okay, in terms. Okay, so uh, we're going to respond to this business about time in just a moment, but what John is bringing is uh, kind of a contingency argument. We've not really gotten to that part yet, but he's pointing out that everything, all these things that he's mentioning, everything that you see around you owes its existence to something else. So there must be a necessary uh, being uh, that serves as the explanation for the existence of all of these contingent things. But it also hints at uh, an, uh, a, a recession of causal events um, or a regression of causal events. As we look backwards, the things that we see around us uh, exist because of something else that came before them. And I, I often point, I, I think this is something we all come prepackaged with this understanding of causal relations. Uh, when my daughter was about nine months old, I thought I would do a, a an experiment on her uh, to see if she had developed the dexterity to catch a ball if I tossed a ball to her. So I tossed this ball to her and it hit her in the head and she fell over. 
Um, but she, uh, and don't look at me like that. I'm a good parent. Uh, and it wasn't a, a, it wasn't a hard ball. It was a soft ball. I mean, not a soft ball, but a soft ball. Right. But when she sat, sat herself up, she began looking around for what had caused her to fall over at nine months old. She already recognized that, uh, when things happen, um, there's a cause for those things happening or beginning to exist. Um, and then she looked around for what had caused the ball to fly through the air, causing her to fall over. So she recognized a causal chain, even at that young age. It's amazing what she came almost prepackaged with. And then she saw me with my hand up like this, and she caused something in retaliation, a dirty diaper, which caused me to call out to her mother. Now, isn't that an elegant example of cause and effect? Probably not, but it, it illustrates the point that from a very young age, we understand the causal relationships between things and that things that begin to happen or exist, owe that happening or that existence to something else uh, that either came temporally or logically prior to uh, that thing uh, happening that we're trying to understand something about. Uh, so those are inter interesting point. And obviously, if you take that to its conclusion, yeah, you have to get back to a necessary being that serves as the explanation for the existence of everything else. And when both of my daughters were about six years old, they're different ages, but independently, they came to me at about six years old and said something like, Daddy, I know there's a God. Well, why do you know that, sweetheart? Well, because if there was no God, where'd all this stuff come from? And that is a very simple and, and even simplistic, but also incredibly profound idea. And uh, you can talk about it in a high level, academic level with intellectual jargon, or you can talk about it on the level of a six-year-old and say, what, what serves as the explanation for everything that I see around me? So um, God is the best explanation for that. Well, what does TMM have to say? He says, well, there's at least one thing that I can see for which there was never a time at which it didn't exist, and that's time itself. I suspect the same is also true of energy. That makes up all the matter that we see, but it's all, at least logically possible that this energy did not exist at some point. However, it is not logically possible that there was a time when time did not exist. That would be a contradiction in terms. Okay, now, first of all, I, I, I agree with what I think he's trying to convey, although it's a little, and I, I don't mean anything rude by this. Again, I think this is a smart guy. Um, he's well-read on some of this stuff, I think, but this is a little bit sloppy because um, on the one hand, you could say there was a time when the timeline that we're currently experiencing did not exist. Now, I personally don't believe that that's true, but there are some who do, both Christians and non-Christians, that there may be some meta timeline uh, and it stands outside of the timeline that we are currently experiencing. And so you could have a time when time did not exist, but it would be a bit of an equivocation there. Uh, if you had timeline A and timeline B and timeline A represents the meta timeline and timeline B represents the timeline that we're experiencing now, you could say, there was uh, a point on timeline A when timeline B did not exist, right? So um, even just taking it flatly here, uh, there's a little bit of a problem there. But since that would require a little bit of an equivocation, I'm just going to just grant him what I know he means, which is there wasn't a time on timeline B when timeline B did not exist. Well, that's true. Uh, I grant that wholeheartedly. So uh, if you're talking about time, uh, Timeline B, uh, which is the one we're considering, and be careful here. For those of you that are aware of uh, A theory of time and B theory of time, that's not what we're doing, okay? Uh, but the timeline that we're experiencing, uh, there was never a time on that timeline when that timeline did not exist, right? That's true. I grant you that. Now, that doesn't really help him here uh, because the fact that there was never a time on that timeline when time did not exist doesn't mean there wasn't some kind of existence uh, 
sans the timeline. Okay, we're going to see more of that about that in just a few moments. Even if time is finite in the past, as it appears it was, it seems as though time has only existed for about 13.7 billion years, there was still never a time when time did not exist. Since there was never Granted. a time when time did not exist, time could not have been created. To create something is an act, and acts need time to be carried out. You can't create anything without any time in which to carry out the act of creation. For that reason, time could not have been created. Okay, now this is simply... Uh a misunderstanding, uh, because you could say very simply that uh, the the act of creation uh, by God was the very first moment of time. In fact, that's how we talk about it. That's how we think of it. So um, you you would have, uh, and by the way, the thing that gets you to that is agent agent causation. So we have different types of causation. We have state or we have event event causation, like. Um, you know, if I threw a book through a window uh, that and it broke the window, that's um, an event that led to another event happening. We have state-state causation. That's like if you have a podium and uh, there is a book sitting on top of the podium, the state of the podium is causing the state of the book to be suspended in the air. Or as some people like to think about it, a frozen pond with a log resting on top of it. The state of the frozen pond is leading to the state of the, of the log resting on it. So you have state-state causation, but then you have state-event causation. That's when a state leads to an event, and the way that you get there is personal agent causation. So uh, if you want a good illustration for that, just imagine a man sitting, He's in a state, and then he stands up. This, he went from the state of sitting to standing up. Now, if we were to compress a, a stopwatch at the moment that he moved to stand up, well, then that would be the beginning of the timeline of his movement, and the timeline would begin, and the movement would begin. Um, so you would have this state leading to an event. Well, how could that happen? Well, it could happen with the mind. And later on in this video, he's going to say something like, well, this does, even if I granted you all this, doesn't give you a personal creator. Uh, it does if you understand these different types of causation. That would be personal uh, agent causation. Uh, now, because someone would have to uh, make the movement to move from a state to an event, especially from a state of timeless nothingness. Now, someone might also say, to, to go further and grant them more ammunition to use against me here, someone might also say, yeah, but even the decision to create would cause time. Like he'd think through, God is thinking through and deciding now, not now, not now, now, that this causes, a, this requires a passing of time. Uh, but that would only be true with beings that are not omniscient. Those of us who are not omniscient, we have to think through our ideas. We have to combine ideas to arrive at new ideas to make decisions. And that's kind of a process of learning. Even if you're just learning within your own thoughts, you're thinking about what you know about this, and you're thinking about what you know about this, and you're putting them together, and now you arrive at this, and now is the time to do whatever thing you're going to do. Uh, that requires planning and thought and an element of learning. But if a being is omniscient, then he simply knows everything, and there isn't a need for you know, tensed time there. It's just timelessness. He could know everything timelessly. And there is no decision in the classical sense that we think about ourselves making decisions. So uh, the timeline begins when that first movement comes. And so what that give, what that helps us, what that's consistent with is number one, God's omniscience, which Christianity, classic Christianity has affirmed. It also makes sense of um, 
uh, agent cause personal agent causation because that state event causation in at least in a spaceless timeless state like this would require a personal agent and the timeline begins uh, at the first moment right that's that's completely consistent with his concerns that there's no point on the timeline when time does not exist right but the timeline begins at the act of creation so this really isn't that difficult now pick out just one thing out of all that stuff that you can see and let's call that thing one if i were to ask you why thing one exists you'd point to other things now to keep it simple out of those things let's just consider one of them and let's call that thing two Thing two came into existence because thing three exists, and thing three came into existence because of thing four, and so on. But I wouldn't do that with time. I wouldn't say that anything created time because time has to already exist in order for creation to occur. Now you can still ask, why does time exist? But you can ask that about a god as well. If a god must exist, then why can't it be the case that time must exist? Okay, so uh, again, as you're seeing on the screen right now, uh, John has given us this uh, discussion of contingency and also a regression of causal events that cannot be infinite. There has to be uh, an ultimate necessary cause for uh, all of these things, uh, all these contingent things. So uh, he, so we, first of all, TMM brings up again this problem. Now, by the way, if we're having a heavy academic discussion, it's usually at this point that uh, he would address the causation issue here, right? I mean, even though I understand that our atheist thinks that he has uh, a good defeater here with time, that what you're saying about God, you could say about time, and now he keeps bringing up time, and we're going to see him continue to bring up time. Um, instead of continually bringing up time, what you would typically get is someone saying, okay, now I just want to say, I think that we have an analog for this or something similar to it in time. But I've already made that criticism. So what I'm going to do now is I'm going to just for the sake of argument, grant him that that's not in play and go ahead and talk about this causation thing that he doesn't do that um, and keeps going back to time might tell us something. But uh, but let's 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 talk about this, uh, this business about uh, time. Uh, can exist necessarily. Now, I don't want to mess up his words. What does he say exactly? He says, but you can ask, oh, wait, you, now you can still ask, why does time exist? But you can ask that about God as well. If a God must exist, then why can't it be the case that time must exist? Well, because we don't get to choose what we want about the nature of reality. The fact of the matter is that time simply cannot have existed infinitely into the past. Time can't exist infinitely into the past because if you were to go backwards and add negative one, negative two, negative three to each successive moment, what you would find is that you could never reach infinity by uh, successive addition, or in this case, subtraction, I guess. Uh, it just can't happen. Actual infinites aren't possible. If you're saying that time has simply always existed, which is odd that he would say this here now because he's already said that he doesn't think that's the case or it doesn't seem like that's the case based on science or whatever he said. But uh, let's go ahead and answer it because it's the only place he has to run if he's going to say, if he's going to go this way. Um, uh, so now, I mean, it has to be because look, if God must exist, then why can't it be the case that time must exist? If you believe that time is finite in the past, as you kind of granted a while ago, then you agree that sans the physical universe, time must not exist. Um, now, you may not think that sans the physical universe makes any sense at all, but I'd love, you try, I'd love to see anyone try to defend that. Um, but we'll get to that here in just a little while. But so the only place you have to run is that time is infinite into the past, but time cannot be infinite into the past. 
Uh, actual infinites don't exist. We talk about it poetically like there's an infinite number of grains of sand on the beaches of the world, but there's not actually. There is a number of grains of sand on the beaches of the world. We say there's an infinite number of stars in the sky or atoms in the physical universe, or if there's a multiverse, all the atoms in all of the multiverses. Even though those numbers are ridiculously high, there still actually are numbers to all those things, and everyone agrees. The thing is, um, an, to say something is infinite would mean there is no number. It just goes on and on forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. And there is no number because it's infinite. It's literally infinite. Uh, there aren't things like that in, actua in, the, in the universe. There, there's not an actual infinite number of anything because you run into all kinds of absurdities. Uh, for example, uh, we would never have arrived at this moment if the past was infinite. Why not? Well, imagine that you had an infinite library where every other book is red and every other book is black. Now, uh, so you have all red and all black books. Take away all the black books so that all that's left is red books. Now, how many books do you have? Well, if it was a literally infinite library, you still have an infinite number of books because even though you took away half, you still have infinite because that's the nature of infinite. Now, what if you added 52 to infinite? What if you took away uh, 75 from infinite? Doesn't matter, you still have infinite. And so this is a serious problem. Um, now, in set theory, you could take a category and say infinite and then say infinite plus 75. But the problem is, at least in set theory, you have a beginning and an ending. But with the past infinite universe, you don't even have a beginning. Try jumping out of a hole without a bottom to it. You can't do it. And so as a result, we would have never arrived at this moment. The idea of an actual infinite past is absurd and cannot be the case. So... Uh, you can ask about, so if God must exist, then why can't it be the case that time must exist? Because we don't get to choose what we want to be true about the nature of reality, and it's not possible that time is past infinite. If you think that it is, you need to demonstrate that to me, and until you do, I'll happily believe what I'm affirming right now, because it leads to all kinds of actual problems. Um, so, you, but you still need uh, a necessary first cause. It's still going to be personal for the reasons that we've described, and it's still going to come from state event causation, and it's still going to be the first moment in time will be the act of creation. Let's move forward. Okay, now hold that thought for a moment, and let's move from thinking about existence to the color red. Picture a red flower. Now, there's a reason why that flower is red. The flower didn't have to be red. The flower could have been yellow, the flower could have been white, the flower could have been purple, but instead it's red. The redness of the flower came from something else that gave it its redness. If something didn't give the flower its redness, then the flower wouldn't have been red. Now the important thing to remember is that the flower itself is not the same thing as redness. Now it has redness, but it's not redness itself. Back to existence. Existence is kind of like the color red. Existence is something that the flower has, but the flower itself is not the same thing as existence. It only has existence because something else gave it existence. The flower wouldn't exist unless it got its existence from thing two. And thing two wouldn't exist unless it got its existence from thing three. And thing three wouldn't exist unless it got its existence from thing four. And this goes on and on. This is not only true for the flower, but this is true for every single thing that you can see right now. It's not true of time. Time couldn't have been given its existence from something else because the act of giving cannot be carried out without time already existing. This is not an event which could have occurred without time in which to occur. Okay, now you notice again, like his, he's got one criticism that he thinks undermines all of this. That, that one criticism is that you already have to have time in order for time to come into existence. But this, because what he's thinking, what I can only imagine he's thinking of is 
for whatever it is, God or anything else, to cause time to come into existence, that act of causation or thinking through into cause, or if there's something other than God, that movement or explosion or whatever it is that causes time to exist would have to have time in order for it to function. But of course, as we've seen already, that would not be true of a spaceless, timeless, non-material, sufficiently powerful uh, mind that is omniscient right that 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 doesn't have to think through things and the first moment of time would be the first would be the act of creation all of the stuff that exists will eventually trace back all the way until we get to a final point that we can call the oe no not that oe oe as in original existence nah i'm gonna help myself to this oe okay better yet let's just call it thing z Thing Z would be the starting point and the ultimate reason for why anything at all began to exist or why anything exists right now. Now this leads to the next question. If the reason why anything exists is because it got its existence from something else, then what's the reason that Thing Z exists? In the case of Thing Z, things are a little bit different because unlike everything else, we don't have anything else to point to because Thing Z is the first thing to exist. Why would that not be true of time? Remember OE? Original existence? In other words, you can't point to something that doesn't exist in order to show why Thing Z exists, because obviously that doesn't make any sense. Because Thing Z didn't get its existence from anything else, then Thing Z had to always have existed. And time has always existed. If by always, you mean that there was never a time when it didn't exist. Even if time is finite in the past, it is still accurate to say that it has always existed in this sense. That's fine. So it would be impossible for anything to threaten its existence or to take it out of existence. That doesn't logically follow. The mere fact that something has always existed does not prove that it always will. Okay, now, first of all, this to go into this would require a whole other video to explain what we mean by logical necessity. And uh, so, so we'll just leave that, we'll just table that for now. But let's just go ahead and grant it. I mean, Matt Dillahunty brings this up often too, is to say something like, well, how do we know that God didn't create the whole universe and then die immediately after? Or how do we know that a pixie uh, didn't create the universe and then die a moment after or some, at some time later? Um, okay, that, if you're willing to grant me it, let, let, here's why this criticism is is useless. If you were willing to grant me that there was a God uh, that, that existed, that created everything, but then he died, we could have a whole new conversation. But you wouldn't be an atheist anymore, would you? And at that point, you would have to shave away, you know, Occam's razor would require you to shave away this concept that this God died, which is something you have no evidence for. Or if you do have evidence for it, you need to share with, that, share with the class what that is. In other words, Thing Z is eternal. Thing Z would not have existence. Thing Z would be existence. Well, you obviously believe that your God is more than merely existence. There's nothing about existence that logically necessitates consciousness or lovingness or any of the other things you attribute to a God. Oh, yes, there is. And we've already been through it in this video. Rewatch if you need to. Um, uh, another thing I'll add to this is in a state of timeless nothingness, there is no determinism to work on this first cause, whatever this first ca uh, this uh, causal, whatever this causal agent is, um, whether it's personal or not. There's no determinism in play to work on it. So it would have to have libertarian freedom. And what sort of things have libertarian, uh, libertarian freedom? Uh, personal agents do. Um, but... Uh, I'm just going to go ahead. I, I can't take any more. I'll just put it simply like this. The reason that a necessary timeless entity cannot go out of existence is because it's timeless. It's also the reason God doesn't require a beginning. Beginning and ending are uh, temporal terminology. 
it makes no sense to talk about beginning and ending unless you're talking about in time. If God exists timelessly, there's no beginning, but there's also no ending or him going out of existence. There we go. I said it. I would agree that thing Z would be necessary to the existence of anything else, but I think that's true of time. I don't understand what it means to say that something exists if it doesn't exist for at least some period of time. And your incredulity does not an argument make. The fact that you don't understand how something could exist timelessly does not mean things can't exist timelessly. So what could thing Z be? Well, it can't be anything physical because anything physical would have either began to exist or it's possible for it to stop existing at some point. It's possible for thing Z to begin to exist in the sense of being finite in the past, as long as it is not contingent upon any prior existing event or entity. Since there isn't anything which can exist prior to time itself, time is not contingent upon any prior event or entity. So time is at least one physical thing that can be thing Z. Okay, okay, I have to go back to this because this, this is a real confusing ball of wax. Now, I'm not criticizing the person who put it together. It's just that I'm trying, I'm trying to make sense of what's being said here. So let's go line by line. It's possible for thing Z to begin to exist in the sense of being finite in the past. Okay, if what he means by this, as long as it's, okay, if what he means by this is if thing Z exists when the first moment of creation begins, then we could call that it's beginning to exist in time. But that's not the beginning of its existence if it existed sans time. But we understand that TMM is assuming that's the only way it could be, is that, um, you know, things began to exist in time, right? Uh, but here's the thing, on, on our setup, uh, where we don't make these mistakes about timelessness is impossible for our own incredulity, um, the thing about it is you have... God existing, sans the physical universe, and then there is a moment in time where time time begins. It's the first moment of time. That's the act of creation. God was already God already existed. Now um, we're talking about. We could say God existed prior to the creation of the physical universe in the beginning of time, but we mean logically prior, not temporally prior. And there's a difference, and that difference between logical priority and uh, temporal priority is very important to understanding these things. Um, now, he says, uh, since there isn't anything which can exist prior to time itself. Again, there is, I agree with you, nothing could exist temporally prior to time itself unless we went back to a meta time, time A and time B, and you could have a prior time, the temporal time, uh, the metaphysical time, or sorry, the meta time A uh, that exists, and then there's a time prior and posterior to uh, the existence of timeline B. But putting that out of the uh, out of the picture for a minute, because I don't think he believes in that, and I don't believe in that. But some people do, so I said it. But um, but what we're what we can't, I agree with him that there's not a time prior to the beginning of time. But there is logical priority. And again, that's what's important. God exists sans the physical universe. God exists in time from the first moment of time to the end of time or forever, everlasting. So this is actually interesting because when the Bible talks about from everlasting to everlasting, yeah, as long as uh, time has existed, God has existed. And as long as time will exist, God will exist. But it's even better than that. He transcends time. That's a word we're going to come back to in a moment as well. But when, it, but in, uh, but sans the physical universe and sans the timeline, 
God still exists, right? So um, it is difficult to talk about things without temporal language because that's the only way that we talk about things uh, because, we're so, we're, because we are confined to this temporality. Nevertheless, you can make sense of it simply enough. Uh, so he says, um, so time is at least, uh, time is not, so time, time is not contingent upon any prior event or entity. Yes, it is. It's contingent upon some logically prior event or entity. And we're arguing here that that is God. Uh, so you got to make that distinction. So time is at least one physical thing that can be thing Z. Absolutely not for the reasons that we've just described. And because it isn't physical, it also would have to be beyond physical space. What does that mean? Beyond is a spatial orientation, so it is a contradiction in terms to speak of something existing beyond space itself. It's like saying it occupies a non-spatial space. That doesn't make any sense. Okay, uh, is that right? That it doesn't make any sense to talk about something being beyond when it's not uh, beyond in the temporal or spatial sense? Let's just see how people use the word beyond. Um, I'm going to type, I'm going to go to Amazon and I'm going to put on, put in beyond and I'm going to put in book. Oh, look here, you can get beyond reckless for, for $0 or for $16.99, depending on your subscription plan. You can get beyond reckless. You can get beyond. Okay. So now let's count off the ones that are talking about being beyond in the sense of transcending something, uh, but not in the sense of spatial or temporality, spa you know, spatial things or temporal things. Well, we've got beyond reckless. That's not talking about space or time. Beyond blessed, same there, not talking about space or time. Uh, b uh, beyond these walls, okay, that's temporal and uh, that, that is temporal and, and, and spatial, I guess. Uh, beyond the kitchen, I don't think that's talking about in the living room. I think that's talking about taking your abilities with, with cooking and stuff further. Uh, so, so that would, that would uh, not be in space or time. Beyond birds and bees, that sounds fantastic. Um, and that is not talking about space or time. Um, and teaching yoga beyond the, po the poses there. Okay, that's not talking about space or time. Um, let's see, one, two, three, four, five. And then beyond the grave. Uh, so, so that's talking about the afterlife, I guess, seven. Out of the first seven books that come up on Amazon, just as a little experiment here, what do we find? Oops, there's me and Pritchett. We find uh, that... We find that uh, that only one of them is talking about spatial and temporal things. Why? Because when we talk about something being beyond something, beyond doubt, beyond belief, um, beyond the grave, right? Uh, well, beyond comprehension. What we're talking about with these things uh, is we're talking about transcendence. Uh, when we talk about beyond space and time, we're talking about a transcendent thing, something that exists in a greater way than space and time, sans space and time. And that transcendental language is very important to understand what we mean about God, but human beings use that language all the time, right? So that's, once you understand that, it's just really not a problem. Did that take care of what he said? What did, what did he say here? He says, what does that mean beyond? Beyond is a spatial orientation. So it's contradiction in terms to speak of something existing beyond space itself. No, it doesn't. Because beyond doesn't, isn't confined to spatial and temporal terms. It's as simple as that. Spatial space, that doesn't make any sense. Similarly, it would never have begun to exist, and therefore it would have to be beyond time as well. 
So in other words, thing Z would have to be an eternal, non-physical, uncaused creator that's responsible for the beginning of all time and all space, and also responsible for everything that did exist, everything that exists now, and everything that will exist in the future. If something does not have extension and or location in space or time, then what does it even mean to say that it exists? It means that it exists spacelessly and timelessly sans the physical universe. It seems to me that to even say that something exists is to say that it has some place in space and time. Except that it doesn't necessarily mean that unless you presume the very thing that we're discussing, which is whether um, atheistic naturalism is true. To say that something exists without space or time is indiscernible from saying it exists nowhere and never. No, it's not. It's to say that it exists all, uh, everywhere and always and transcends those terms and those categories. And that's the end of the video. But uh, in the end, I think that what we discovered here was that um, what John said made a lot of sense. And it's not just Christians that get confused when we come to the subject of time. So I hope that video was helpful to you. And the next time someone talks like this about time, what are you going to say? What do you mean? <laughs>